Welcome to the Wise Birth Radio. We are women, students, and mamas exploring healthy pregnancies, empowered birth, nurtured postpartum, and natural parenting from a holistic, intuitive, and grounded experience. We share knowledge through interviews, stories, and musings. We hope to inspire you to take charge of your childbearing journey for yourself and your family. This show is intended to spark your own curiosity and encourage you to listen to your body, your baby, and your intuition. I'm Mabel. And I'm Sarah. And we are your hosts on Wise Birth Radio. Hello, everybody. It's me today, Mabel. We're going to do a very quick episode. Maybe it's a mini episode. I don't know. I just, I've been writing poetry. Well, for most of my life, but it's sort of... I took a pause for a long time. I just wasn't really feeling... I wasn't feeling it. Often I feel like I wasn't writing poetry. It was writing itself through me, and that hadn't happened for a long, long time until Olin was born, and then it was sort of re-inspired. Um, and I realized that the way that I write poems, it, I feel like it barely qualifies as a poem. It's maybe more of a, a word mush. Um, it doesn't go by any, what's the word I'm looking for? Any structure, any rules. Sometimes it's more prosaic, sometimes it's more poetic. But I found that I gain, I understand so much more of poetry when I'm able to listen to the author speak it instead of just reading it off the page. And the same is true with books. Like I've been listening to Gathering Moss recently by Robin Wall Kimmerer. And first of all, it's amazing. I never thought I'd be so interested in moss. But second of all, you get so much more of, of the essence of the writing when you're able to hear the person that wrote it read it and hear their intonation and where they slow down and what they emphasize. So I just wanted to read a poem that I wrote recently, well, a couple months ago, and do maybe I'll do a little series of mini poetry reading episodes. So this one I wrote after... It was kind of funny. I just walked into the house one day, walked through the door, and all of a sudden just felt like, I could almost feel it in my body, like underneath my skin, this deep, deep rage. And nothing had happened, like nothing had made me angry. I didn't feel angry. I felt, you know, I walked in the house and I looked at my housemate, Ziyu, Sarah's husband, and I was like, Z. I feel rageful right now. And I was like, and I also feel super pleasant and like happy to converse with you. But underneath it, there's this like core of rage that I don't know, maybe I'd only just identified or just allowed this, like whatever was holding it in to dissolve so I could feel it. But it was a very weird feeling. (laughs) And I couldn't explain what it was about. I couldn't, I didn't know what to do about it. And a couple days later, after feeling it pretty constantly for a couple days while going about my day, I decided to write this poem about it because often when I write things down, I learn things that I didn't even know. So I had no idea any of this was true until I wrote it myself. And I then read it back and was like, oh, that's what's going on. So I'm gonna read this poem. I've creatively titled it, Rage. 
Recently, I found myself full of rage. Not rage like a volcano eruption in its immediate passion, spewing lava at whoever happened to have the bad luck of going for a hike. But rage like the molten core of the earth, the oozing liquid fire that tectonic plates move over. Not dramatic or for display, but deep, silent, ancient, not meant to be seen. Maybe it's because they cut my cord with tiny scissors, cutting me off from my blood supply while it was still flowing, and severing my connection to my mother goddess. Then they inspected me with the gloved hands while I blinked in the fluorescent lights and thought, this is not how they told me it would be. But it would be all too convenient to pass it all onto childhood trauma, on the severing we all experience between the world we came to create and the reality we slid into where we play by their rules. We try so hard to appear as the same shape and size as our friends, but just when we think we've made it, someone sees our second head, our eight arms, our third eye, and tells us to put that away. It is not appropriate for polite society. But it's not fair to explain my rage away as being unseen as a child, not fitting in, because I chose to come here as a horse of a different color. I could be full of feminist rage, Feeling the way my body and my bleeding have been confined, I tuck in my goddess belly and contort my spine because good girls lead with their breasts held out first, put in harm's way for the sake of getting a good picture. But God forbid you are a woman who is actually led by her womb and heart space. But I put down the feminist mantle when I realize that I don't want equality, I want harmony. I don't need to do everything a man does to feel worthy, and if someone is going to tell me I'm not a feminist because maybe I just want to have a lot of babies and bake my own bread and scrub toilets and bow to the soul of the masculine by nourishing and worshipping the body of my husband, then fantastic. I am not a feminist. My rage feels pelvic-centered. My pelvic bowl is a container for an atomic core of rage. But it is not reactive rage. It is inspired rage. I feel it seeping through the cracks when I have done too much. When I tell myself that eight months isn't postpartum anymore, you should be able to carry that. So I do, and then I feel all the beautiful muscles and tendons that suspended the tiny ocean for my beautiful babe to creak and stretch like an old wooden sailboat. Just when they thought they could finally rest enough to heal, they are asked to carry more. Here, if you can almost handle this, Let's give you more. Because it's never about less, is it? No one ever says, you can push less, sell less, post less, and still expect results. No one tells you that as your capacity to hold expands, you can choose to take less. They say healing isn't linear, but it still doesn't feel good to go backwards. To know that your muscles are weaker, your core is less functional because you forgot they were still tender. So as rage peeks through the cracks in my linea alba because I'm the one who did this to myself, I'm the one who decided to carry that, that pot of water, that piece of news, that judgment. My rage is like an electric fence around a rabbit hutch. I have crossed my own boundaries too many times and ventured too close to the predators in the forest. My vulnerability, my heart that is so soft and tender and stronger than any metal.
my womb. Why does it take a healing crisis for so many of us to listen to our wombs, to bow with the deepest honor to this portal of our wisdom, to cradle and care for our womb space with reverence for all that she is. This is where all life started. I hold the history of all of creation in my own body, the primordial spark, the big bang. And she has told me so many times the simple lessons of the feminine. It's okay to be soft. It's okay to say no. It's okay to rest. And I have said, yes, but I'll just push this wheelbarrow for one more day. And every time I have said that, every time I decided not to listen, that ball of protective rage grew. It knew that one day it would be called upon to hold the boundary the ring of fire surrounding the waters. Not to keep them captive, but to keep them safe. So now, my task becomes to organize and dedicate my life in service to my womb. To our womb. To allow the shepherd's crook to be used for directing the sheep, not fighting the wolves. To become an obedient daughter to my mother, so that force of rage can calm from a wildfire to the torches in the fire towers illuminating the boundaries and keeping watch while I rest. And if I can do that, the excess energy that lit up my spine and my nervous system can be recycled, can be channeled through new pathways of safety and nourished nerves as creativity. We talk of creative fires, but if the body is stuck in overwhelm, all the flames are ignited to, to fight and defend. I would like to model my life after the Norns, to sit at the foot of the tree of life, nestled within her roots and spin with my sisters. Spin our raw rage with the spindles that were our birthright into the fine thread of life. It will be lumpy to begin with. The yarn will keep breaking as we spread the wool too thin in hopes of conserving when we forget the infinite source. A cosmic sheep, a lamb of God. But as we spin and sing together, we will make yarn that loops around the moon. We will spin all of our prayers into the finest red yarn. Dyed by the red of our blood, rage, passion, crushed up with some hibiscus and pokeberries and the very first sun of the morning. And we will knit bomb the world, keep our loved ones warm with sweaters and hats and Bernie Sanders mittens knit jumpers for our grandchildren and slippers for our grandmothers. Sweatshops, looms the size of factory buildings, department stores will shut down because everyone will be clothed by the love of their mother and love for their mothers. This isn't some pink pussy hat agenda. We are spinning the yarn of fate. Not like the isolated volcano, we are the magma at the very center of the earth. And I just wanted to share that originally, there's a line at the very end of that poem, we are those who blow kisses at the moon, which is a line from a play actually, um, that was written by prisoners, I wanna say in California, somewhere on the West Coast. Um, and this man named Sterling Cuneo was I believe one of the main writers of that play. And it's super beautiful and well I haven't read the whole play but this one monologue that this line comes from 
is really beautiful. And there's actually a, a drummer, I forget his name, but I'll put a link to it in the description of this episode. Um, this man who is a drummer made an album where he was basically making songs out of various pieces of writing. And this monologue from this play with this one line in it is one of the songs and it's really haunting and beautiful. But I just didn't quite know if that line belonged at the end of this poem. But there it is. We are those who blow kisses at the moon. And with that, I will end this mini episode and I'll see you next time for a regular episode.